Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Hopefully, so I'm coming into you a little bit late this morning. I had a situation where I had everything on the iPad all set. And somehow, by my great talent, I erased it all. So I had to start again. So I'm coming to you just a little bit late. So um, I need to remember not to wear green. But we are back. We're ready to go. It is Second Samuel 10, First Chronicles 19. Let's get the chapters right. And we'll go Psalm 75 and 20 and Acts and Acts 1. Okay, now I think we got it. So let's look at a dad joke or two. Okay, first joke. <laughs> hey, you need an ark? I know a guy. <laughs> Noah. Okay. Um, um, sleeping comes so naturally to me. I could do it with my eyes closed. Hey, where's my... Sorry. <laughs> it's almost more funny. I didn't have the volume up on that one. What do you call it? Articulate dinosaur. Thesaurus. I, I, I got to think about that one. It's, it makes sense, though. Well, I'm not even going to do this day in history because I got so flustered with messed up trying to get my uh, all the readings together, which got erased. We're going to pray, and we're going to go right into the reading this morning and uh, look at what God is doing in his word. So, Father God, thank you for this morning. ask you to guide and direct us, as you always do. Help us to see the things you want us to see, to be attentive to your word, to be attentive, God, to the very um, truths in your word. So, Father, help us use those words today as we go through the rest of our day with all of the things that we need to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 75, we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works when I select an appointed Time. It is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. Selah. I said to the bulls full, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is mixed well, and he pours out of it. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down its dregs. But as for me, I declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. And all the horns of the wicked he will cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Second Samuel 10 now. 
Now it happened afterwards that the king of the Amorites died, and Hanun, his son, became king in his place. And David said, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Naash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent some of his servants to console him concerning his father. Now when David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites, the prince of the Ammonites said to Hanun, their lord, do you think that David is honoring your father because he sent consolers to you? Has David not sent his servants to you in order to search the city, to spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanun took David's servants and shaved off half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle as far as their hips and, and sent them away. When they told it to David, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly humiliated. And David said, Stay at Jericho until your beards grow, and then return. Now when the sons of Ammon saw that they had become odious to David, the sons of Ammon sent and hired the Arameans at Beth Rehob to the Arameans of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Makkah with 1,000 men, and the men of Tob with 12,000 men. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all his army, the mighty men and the sons of Ammon, came and came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the city while the Arameans and Zobah of Rehob and the men of Tob and Makkah were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him in the front and in the rear, he selected from all his choice men of Israel and arrayed them against the Arameans. But the remainder of the people he placed in the hand of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the sons of Ammon. And he said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the sons of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be strong. Let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So Joab and his people who were with him drew near to the battle against the Arameans. And they fled before them. When the sons of Ammon saw that the Arameans fled, so they also fled before Abishai and entered into the city. And Joab returned from fighting against the sons of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. And when the Arameans saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadadezer sent and brought out the Arameans who were beyond the river. And they came to Halam. And Shobak, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, led them. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Halam, and the Arameans arrayed themselves to meet David and fought against him. But the Arameans fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers of the Arameans and 40,000 horsemen and struck down Shobach, the commander of the army, and he died there. When all the king's servants of Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and, and served them, so the Arameans feared to help the sons of Ammon anymore. And I believe we read what happened after this battle yesterday with Joab. A little frustrating when they get a little out of sequence. But there you have it. What's the problem? <laughs> the the self-created problems of people who misinterpret your intentions. David had no intention to come to battle against them. He was trying to do something helpful and noble. And uh, those who didn't know David took it as a sign of him trying to conquer. And therein lies all these problems where 
people do not understand the nature of those who serve God. And so many times they misinterpret our intentions because they think we think like they do. Like we're always going to try and think about getting ahead or getting something for ourselves. David was about honoring God and about, he was about doing what was moral and that was upright. And people have a really difficult time with that. They can't believe you would go out of your way. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, years and years ago, I don't know why I just thought about it. When we first started working at the mission, working with the kids and doing all kinds of fun stuff. And of course we, we, feed them and we minister to them and love them and help them in their school and get them educated and teach them of the Lord. Some of the women were very hesitant. They thought, you know, those Americans are just going to come and steal our kids. They were like, no, no, I wouldn't send your kid over there. You know, they're going to steal your kid because they weren't used to having people coming with good intentions for their children, uh, sadly. And, of course, I applaud any parent that wants to protect their kids. That's a good thing. That's much better than, than the other way around. We get the other parents like, eh, I don't care. They don't, have no, they don't have any idea what their kids are doing over at our mission. We always invite the parents, come see what we're doing. Come over and, you know, check us out. We want them to come and, and make sure that we are um, above board and doing exactly what we're saying we're going to do. Well, anyway, people have a hard time with people with good intentions often. And we have to be aware of that. First Chronicles 19. Now it came about after this that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, died. And his son became king in his place. And David said, I will show kindness. So again, I think here we go with the other accounting of this uh, in, in the Chronicles. I will show kindness to Hanun the son of Naash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent messengers to console him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the sons of Ammon and to Hanan to console him. But the princes of the sons of Ammon said to Hanan, Do you think that David is honoring your father and that he sent com um, comforters to you? Have you not? Have not his servants come to you to search and to overthrow and to spy out the land? Hanun took David's servants and shaved them and cut off their garments in the middle as far as their hips and sent them away. Then certain persons went and told David about the men, and he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly humiliated. And the king said, Stay at Jericho until your beards grow, and then return. When the sons of Ammon saw that they had made themselves odious to David, Hanun and the sons of Ammon sent 1,000 talents of silver to hire themselves chariots and horsemen from Mesopotamia and Aram Makkah and from Zobah. So they hired for themselves 32,000 chariots and the king of Makkah and his people who came and camped before Mediba. And the sons of Ammon gathered together from their cities and came to battle. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all his army, the mighty men, the sons of Ammon came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the city, and the kings who had come were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him in front and in the rear, he selected from all the choice men of Israel, and they arrayed themselves against the Arameans. But the remainder of the people he placed in the hand of Abishai's brother, and they arrayed themselves against the sons of Ammon. And he said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you will, shall help me. But if the sons of Ammon are too strong, then I will help you. Be strong. Let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do 
what is good in his sight. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to the battle against the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the sons of Ammon saw that the Arameans fled, they also fled before Abishai, his brother, and entered the city. And Joab came to Jerusalem. When the Arameans saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they sent messengers and brought out the Arameans who were beyond the river with uh, Shofak, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, leading them. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel together, crossed the Jordan, and came upon them and drew up in formation against them. And when David drew up in battle array against the Arameans, they fought against him. The Arameans fled before Israel, and David killed of the Arameans 7,000 charioteers, 40,000 foot soldiers, and put to death Shofak, the commander of the army. So when the servants of Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served him. Thus the Arameans were not willing to help the sons of Ammon anymore. Recounting of what we just read, again, more testimony. Uh, you get the confirmation in another book, and you also have reliable sources, and also because the scriptures lasted thousands of years and were copied. It's amazing how accurate this is, that you have different scribes copying different books, even at different times, and you still have this reliable historical account here. Psalm 20, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, set you securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. May he remember all your meal offerings and find your burnt offerings acceptable. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. We will sing for joy over your victory, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed, and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of our Lord, our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, O Lord. May the king answer us in the day we call. We will trust in our Lord. Or maybe it says the Lord. <laughs> we will trust in the Lord our God. I like, I like the way I put it. Uh, just, it is beautiful to think about the way these Old Testament psalmists could trust in the Lord, not having experienced grace poured out from the cross, not experienced the the forgiveness of sin by God's marvelous grace, undeserved grace. Yet they still could see the goodness of God. They still could experience it. They knew that he, they were good. Even if they would keep the law and, and walk according to his ways, they knew that things would go well with them. One way or the other, they, things would go well for them in their life. They knew they could trust that they would be with God in the end. I think um, that's, it seems to be an indication that they're not just looking at the, the life they have now. They knew they could trust in God, and God was good, and God was going to bless them. And so all the more, we have all the more reason to say the, thing, to say the same things that we can trust and boast in our God who is great and trust in him. Acts chapter 1, 
The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed upon his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered in the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together, and he said, Brethren, the scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was counted among us and received his share in this mystery. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that the field is called Hakeldama, that is the field of blood, for it was written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead be made desolate and let no one dwell in it and let another man take his office. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us in the resurrection. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, and who was called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and they said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy the ministry and apostleship, which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. And many people look at that and they say, well, maybe that was a mistake because actually Paul really is the 12th apostle. 
by default because of his writings, because God, Jesus picked him, God chose him. Paul calls himself an apostle. So what does that mean? It means we have 13 apostles, doesn't it? Well, it does. But guess what? There's also 13 tribes. And if you look at it carefully and detailed, because of Jacob, who took both of Joseph's sons. And so sometimes in the Old Testament, you'll see that um, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, and Manasseh, hope I got my guys right, um, the sons of Joseph are counted as two tribes. Sometimes they're counted as one, as just the tribe of Joseph. And so you always have 12 tribes because God uh, allows for God allows for it in his own system of numbering and for his own glory and, and for the fact that he knows that there was, was always going to be one bad apple in, in the tribe, the 12 tribes. There was the tribe of Dan that, that went apostate. And so they were kind of discounted later when they went apostate. So the 13 becomes 12 again. You have the 12 apostles. Judas messes up. So you have Matthias. But then later Paul comes and... All the intricacies of that, I don't know that I'll never, will ever understand till we get to heaven. But it is, was God's will that uh, they would name Matthias because God seemed to choose him. And yet when we look in the book of Revelation, the foundation stones of the new Jerusalem, there's 12, not 13. And it's, it's pretty cool to study. So I, I mentioned all this so you can ponder that and go, wow. God, that's pretty, that's amazing. And I know there's a, there's a lesson there, something you want us to know. And so some of these mysteries we look into and it just draws us in and we should get us kind of excited about the word. There's a, there's a perfect reason why God did it this way. And it is in the scripture. So seek it out. Let me know what you find. Charles Spurgeon, now, God himself shall work. Now I will rise, saith the Lord, now I will be exalted. Now I will lift up myself. Isaiah thirty-three, ten. When the spoilers had made the land as waste, as if devoured by locusts, and the warriors who had defended the country sat down and wept like women, then the Lord came to rescue. When the travelers ceased from the roads of Zion and Bashan and Carmel, were as vineyards, from which the fruit had failed, then the Lord arose. God is exalted in the midst of an afflicted people, for they seek his face and trust him. He is still more exalted when in answer to their cries, he lifts up himself to deliver them and overthrow their enemies. Is it a day of sorrow with us? Let us expect to see the Lord glorified in our deliverance. Are we drawn out in fervent prayer? Do we cry day and night unto him? When the set time for his grace is near, God will lift up himself at the right season. He will arise when it will be most for the display of his glory. We wish for his glory more than we long for our own deliverance. Let the Lord be exalted and our chief desire is obtained. Lord, help us in such a way that we may see that thou thyself art working. May we magnify thee in our innermost souls. Make 
all around us to see how good and great a God thou art. And Father, we do pray that prayer. We do pray and ask you to make yourself glorified around us in our lives, that people who have seen us and realize the thing and the, cha- the things that we've gone through and the change that you made in our life, be astounded and glorified you and glorify you, realizing that if you could redeem us, you could redeem anyone. If you could save us f- from the the mire that we were in, or the loneliness, or God, if you could save us even from the wealth and the power and the money and the distraction, the fame. Some of us having everything and realizing that we have nothing. Those from the whosoever's that were here, that was such an amazing, powerful testimony of those who had gone to the very top and needed nothing in the physical, but yet they were empty spiritual, spiritually and that you touched their lives. Father, let people in the world around us see that and glorify you. Glorify yourself through us. Glorify yourself through our church, which is weak, which has nothing in the sense of riches, it has nothing in the sense of organization or staff or or uh, equipment or anything else, Father. But let when people come in there, be astounded that your spirit is there. And may they glorify you. And may they be drawn into a relationship with you. We thank you for those that you bring from many, many churches that have had very dry experiences, that have never known have never studied your word, have never had expositional Bible teaching. So, Father, we pray that you would do an, an amazing thing in your church and you be glorified in all that we do because we err, we uh, break down, we have everything sometimes uh, falling apart. But, Father, we we need you in the midst of the battle, in the, in, in the midst of the strife is when you come in and you meet us. And we thank you for that. So even in our feeble efforts, God, be glorified. And we will continue to praise you and give you all the glory as well. And, Father, we want to give you the glory for the report coming back from uh, Mexico City with Juan Carlos. That, God, the um, the doctors say that that, that it's uh, very treatable, what he has. Uh, he's going to go in for an MRI next week, and they're going to do surgery on Friday. And that it was once thought to be inoperable. But now they're saying, yes, we can deal with this. We can get it out. So we're praising you for that, thanking you for that. We're thanking you for the sale of the house, which looks to be a, a deal in so far with Dean and Kim. We thank you and praise you for that. And to ask God that you continue to help them in their desire to come down here to Puerto Vallarta to be a part of the ministry here. We thank you for all that you're doing in them. We thank you, God, for the people that have been healed and touched by your hand, the people that are being healed spiritually, the people that have heard your message of redemption and salvation are being transformed. God, we thank you for um, the many, many blessings of people that are coming back and visiting the church, even here in the summertime, and uh, are just joy-filled and thanking you, God, for the work that you're doing here in Mexico. So, God, we uh, we want to remember and rejoice in the midst of the trials going on in the world because there's so many things going on and so many wars we want to remember god those that are fighting in the wars and pray that you meet them god and and manifest yourself to them so that they know you so that they don't die and go into a christless eternity it doesn't matter what side they're on it doesn't matter what war they're in god we pray 
that you be ministering through the chaplains, through the believers, the people they come in contact. We pray for Calvary Chapel and all the people they have, especially right now in the Ukraine, in Russia. Um, and now we've seen the things going on in Syria and things heating up in Turkey. And of course, China is all over the place with their threats of war. So we, um, we just pray for your church to rise up and to be strong. Pray for your continued hand of comfort upon Karen Skoog. Father, let her feel the fellowship of believers, especially those who've gone through what she's gone through as well. Help them to be comforting to her. So thank you for that and bless them. So Father, we, we give you this uh, this whole morning. Thank you. I ask you to, to go before us this day as we prepare for church tomorrow. And God, may you continue to to raise us up, God, give help me in the, the study to say what, only what you want to say, Father. And may you just bring in, bring in the harvest tomorrow, bring in the people, so that we can all stand before you and worship you, God, with open hearts and open arms. We're so thankful for this, and God, we just pray you'd help us with the music. You'd bring in the youth, bring in the the lost sheep, God, bring in those that are hurting, those who've been wandering. We pray you bring them home in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, everybody, that will do it now. I need to give you the homework for tomorrow. I'm going to try and get back on doing this Sunday podcast. Um, we weren't able to do it last week. We'll see if I can do it this week. Tomorrow is going to be Psalm 65, 66, and 67. Oh, man, they, just 65 through 70. They left out Psalm 68. What? Why? I don't even know. Probably because it's not chronological, but... 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70. So Psalm 65 through Psalm 70. Simple, okay? We'll leave it with that, and we will see you at church tomorrow, hopefully physically if you're here, but if not, we'll see you online. God bless you guys. Keep looking up. Bye-bye.